Welcome to the Ready Papa One podcast. I'm your host, Casey. And I'm Nick. And this is the show where a dad and a prospective dad talk about the past, present, and future of gaming for them and their kids. So, Casey, what's Nick. what's new with you? Nick, do, doing good, man. Not too much. I mean, things are busy, obviously. Yeah. Um, Ronan growing like a little weed. One of the first times we're starting to have him not be able to fit into some of his clothes that oh, he had before. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I saw him this morning. Yeah. And I hadn't seen him in only about four, probably like less than a month or something around a month. And he was already looked like twice as big. Yeah, man. It's go- it's going by so fast. And everyone says that it flies and you, you blink and you miss it. And so just trying to appreciate every little moment along the way. But yeah, I tried to change him into like a nice little fall flannel this morning. You know, it gives nice little brewery vibes going. And, yeah. You know, he was screaming at me because it didn't fit. Huh. Didn't fit. He's, so. He was never meant to be a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> at, at least not yet. At least not yet. Now you have to be like 21 and, you know, start to enjoy IPAs. You have to like yeah, get yeah, through yeah, all yeah. that and then you can become the hipster. He'll get, get there. Yeah. The whole point of doing this podcast is because we want to talk about our kids. So why don't we get into it? Let's do it. Nice. So Nick, have you found time to play any games? Oh, I mean, you know I have. Yeah, you know, we talked last time that I have a bad habit of starting three games. Mm-hmm. I had beaten two of those games since the last time we talked. I beat Metroid Dreading Troll. So now I am playing Chrono Trigger again. But <laughs> of course I, you are. I'm not going to talk about that because it is it is what it is. I'm 25 hours in. I'm getting to the end there. But still playing a lot of Warzone. I hate to say it. Mm-hmm. And with Warzone 2 coming up, I have like five or six friends and they just... They love the BRs, and that's what they want to play, so that's what I've been playing a lot of. Very frustrating game. You never know what you're going to run into. You either get into a lobby where it feels like you're the best one in there and you can do no wrong, or it feels like you are just the worst person that has ever picked up a controller slash mouse and keyboard, and you just get shit on. That was last night. <laughs> that's usually me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everybody knows probably what Warzone is. I'm not going to talk about it too long, but you know, it's it's fun. It's a good way to to keep in touch with friends that you know live a little while away on a nightly or weekly basis to just catch up with your buddies for a few hours. So it's been nice. Nice. Is is all the the progress from Warzone carrying over into Warzone Two, or nope. is it just like a hard restart? It's a hard restart. All wow. your skins gone. That's all your a, that's amazing. all your all the weapons gone. That's it's just, hard to believe. Yeah. Uh, so when Modern Warfare Two launches uh, in October, October twenty eighth, I think it launches. I think Warzone Two launches like two weeks later, and it's going to be just those guns. New map. New operators. It's going to be brand spanking new. I think the only thing that will move over is your Call of Duty points. So they won't let you lose the Call of Duty points you spent, which would be good. If everybody just lost all the money that they spent, I think the world would would be very frustrated with Activision. Not that they probably aren't already. So nothing new. The only nice thing coming up about Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2 is currently when you unlock a gun, you have to unlock all the attachments for that gun. The new thing with Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2 is that once you unlock an attachment for an AR, it is unlocked for all ARs. That's nice. Yeah. I, I like that. I that, like that a lot. Yeah, that, that might actually help me play the game. Because I know I put Warzone with you a little bit and it's it's always, you know, oh, let's get our loadouts and like you guys have some 
like awesome guns with like camo and like, oh, look at all these attachments. And I've got like just this little like pea shooter that looks <laughs> with no skin on it. And like maybe it has a scope instead of iron sights. Right. <laughs> it, just, it just feels bad. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, one thing they're doing in Warzone 2 too is they're moving to more like Apex. You get a gun off the ground and then there's attachments mm-hmm. that you can pull from the loot boxes. And so you put oh, the attachments yeah. on the guns kind of like you do in Apex. I don't know. I haven't followed it super closely. You might be able to get your loadout at one point, but it's this weird dichotomy they're facing is like Fortnite doesn't have anything like that. It's just what you get in the game. And then Apex is the attachments that you put on it where Warzone, it's like you pretty much only use the guns you find on the ground until you get your loadout. Like that's the only reason you use them. So we'll see. Have you been playing anything? I know last time you were playing Magic the Gathering because Ronan was small. Anything change? Yeah, I've I've been able to actually play uh, a couple of games recently. Nice. He's, yeah, he's he's gotten a little better at napping, which has been phenomenal. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. He was last time we talked. He was he was really really bad at it. Uh, he's gotten better. So I've I've had a little bit more time where I can set him down and he'll chill in his little swing and just sleep and that's that's prime prime gaming time for me because i can you know monitor him but i I can do something something else the beauty Uh, of having those cameras to see what the baby's doing (laughs) exactly exactly or even sometimes he's he's in the room we have a little swing set up right right there in the living room and uh, we are very very lucky he is not really noise reactive Oh, good. At all. So, which is great because my dogs bark all the freaking time. And I know. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to bother him. So I can, I can be, I can be playing a game and he'll just snooze right through it, which, nice. is, which is awesome. So yeah, I've, uh, I, I have been, been playing and I've actually had a theme in my gaming recently. Oh, yeah, I like it. Yeah. My theme has been time loops. Time loops. Time loops. Yeah. Ah, I see where you're going here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's, there's really two games I've been playing. The first one, is the Outer Wilds? Yes, uh, which is uh, has been really, really cool. It's this really cool exploration game. Have you have you played it before? I started it. Okay, we you know last week we talked about a lot of times you just start a game, yeah. you play it for like a week, and then you just never go back to it. That's what happened to me with Outer Wilds. Uh, I wanted to get into it more, I just lost the time. Yeah, and it's it's definitely a game where I'm feeling myself getting a little stuck in it um i want to to finish it i want to to play it more i can tell that if i play it a little bit more it's going to be worth it it's just it's really cool it's a game that they don't tell you very much you have to discover it all on your own yeah you know you start out on this this little rock you're this little alien species and your your whole species is spacefaring and you're getting to launch out into into space the for, for the first time so this is cool um and and you get your launch codes and you get your ship and you go and you you just shoot up into space right there and you stay con- all contained within this one you know uh, this, this one galaxy around the around one star but there's a whole bunch of planets uh, around this star each one very very different each one with its own sort of unique story yeah. going on and and all all telling kind of the story about this ancient alien race who used to be here, but isn't here anymore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for some unknown reason to us, to me right now, every 17 to 20 minutes, I don't know exactly what it is, time resets. There's this there's this huge white flash of light in the sky that sort of just engulfs everything. And you wake back up right where you started. Huh. Yeah. And so you're in a time loop. You're in a time loop. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Can you believe it? No, but it's it, I, it's cool. I like it. it. It means that you know everything you're supposed to do, you can do within one sort of contained loop. I don't have to go 
see all the planets all the time because I know that you know I probably I probably don't have time. But all the stuff I'm trying to do on one particular planet, I, I need to be able to do it to solve within one time loop. And if it's going to take me longer than that, then I'm doing something wrong. Does what you do in one time loop save over to the next time loop? The only thing that saves is information. You as a explorer, as a spacefarer, you, you don't lose any of what you've learned, but everything else resets. And the other people don't realize it's a time loop oh. yeah so it, it's cool it, it, it's a puzzle game there's definitely things that i'm stuck on feel a little hard stuck sometimes yeah. it's a little unforgiving because if you die you restart at the beginning of the time loop and every time and so it's it can be it can be tricky so then you gotta you know launch up in your ship fly to the plane that you're trying to fly to it yeah. this the physics are at least semi-realistic enough that like there's times that i've been flying towards a planet and like wasn't able to slow down in time. Oh no! And just like slay, just crashed. crashed right into the planet and died. And it was like, well, time to restart. <laughs> I, I guess that's it. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I got to a point. I got on the ship. I went to a planet where I had to keep track of my oxygen level. Is that a thing? That's a thing. Okay, that's a thing. And it was like a rock planet, and I was like learning the past of something, and then I just kind of fell off. Yeah, well, so. it's on Game Pass. Yeah, uh, recommend. It's very, very unique, and I've cool. been, I've been enjoying that. I'll download it. Yeah, I'd be Chrono Trigger <laughs> for the umpteenth time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, the one that's kind of pulling me away from that right now, which I've been really into, and I've really just played a couple hours of, is Deathloop. Yeah, yeah. Right, brand new on Game Pass. Brand new Finally on Game Pass. Lost the PlayStation exclusivity. I know. Microsoft's I know. Microsoft's been waiting. <laughs> they, they have, and they've been waiting with bated breath. And I mean, it's crazy. I remember when it came out i mean it was getting all these glowing reviews and people loved it and at the time i was like ah awesome this is gonna be a great game i'll, I'll just wait till it comes out on game pass it was one of the first things i think that uh, was released like on playstation after the, the bethesda deal mm -hmm. but I, I was surprised that there wasn't a ton of like, advertising for it like i didn't even no. really know that it was coming out on, on xbox i think the only reason i knew was because somebody posted it in discord yeah i think that's the only reason i knew yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, but I've so far, I've been really, really enjoying it. It's really, really cool. I've only gone through sort of like one time loop, but I, I really like the combat so far. I think there's a lot of really interesting things that they're doing in terms of like the, the mechanics of the time loop. Do you control the time loop or is it just it happens when you get to a certain point or how does it work? Yeah, so it's, it's you basically you can go to four zones during the day. And basically like the first zone you go to in the day, it's morning. The second zone you go to is, I don't know, early afternoon, third zone, late afternoon, last zone, night. night. Gotcha. And then the day resets. Now, if you die, you also go back to the beginning. Excellent. There's always four places you can go. And, and I guess I've, I haven't really seen it yet, but each district is different depending on the time of day. So you can go. Oh, to, okay. Yeah. So you can go to one during the day and it's totally different than if you go to one at night. Yeah. But it's, cool. yeah, it, it has some really interesting things going on where, you know, usually these, these time loop games or whatever, it's like, it's like the outer wilds where like only the main character knows and everyone else is just this little, like, I don't know, pawn in the game. This one is interesting in where everybody knows about the time loop. Oh. And, and in fact, people actively, like worship the time loop and you as the main character are trying to break the time loop and everyone's trying to stop you. Oh uh, yeah. They don't want you to, they don't want you to break the loop. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So that's it's, a cool, that's a cool difference. It's it, from yeah. the time loop. Yeah. Cause you're right. Most of the stories, like obviously like I think back to Majora's mask, like yeah, the time loop is just kind of, you know about the time loop and that's it. 
Exactly. Oh. Exactly. So it's, yeah. yeah and um, it's, it's by, it's by arcane studios. Right. And they've, they're awesome. They yeah. did dishonored, which is mm-hmm. one of my favorite games ever. The first yeah. one I didn't finish the second one, but I love the first one and, and you can feel it. It feels like an arcane studios game. I nice. Mean, yeah. Um, I definitely have to download it. I think I might download that one instead of uh, outer wilds. I think I need something that's like straight into the yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. It's a little, a little bit more combat oriented too, which is fun. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep playing. I, I, yeah. I really, I'm really enjoying it so far. I just, I've only put about, you know, two to two to four hours into it. Um, yeah. Is it a complete solo player thing, or is it a? Uh, is there co-op or something like that? Uh, I don't know if there's co-op. It it starts as single player, but it looked like there was a multiplayer mode oh. after you beat the single player. But like the multiplayer mode is more like a PvP thing, I think. Yeah, I think I remember this. It's it's somebody can be the people that are trying to kill you or something like that. Yeah. Right? There's, there's, there's one person, uh, this lady named Juliana yeah. in particular, who is stronger than everybody else, more powerful. And she invades wherever you're at and, and tries to kill you. And, and she's, you know, she's super powerful, but if you kill her, you get like, you know, super powerful, maybe a weapon, maybe powers. Okay. I, I killed her once and I got this cool, like blink ability. Oh, you know, disappear and reappear somewhere right but cool but you only get it for the duration of that time loop as soon as the time loop reset yeah you lose all your gear you only keep your knowledge huh yeah fascinating yeah interesting recommend it for sure cool i will i will definitely check that out so casey last week we talked about Single-player games, their importance to us, the future, the past, the present, the changes of those different time periods in uh, gaming history and the future. And I figured, why not just flip the coin this week and talk about multiplayer? I mean, it seems like the right thing to do to start this out. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. The best way to start, just like we did last week, talk about the beginnings of multiplayer. I guess not as far back as like arcades. I don't think that's something that we really dealt with, but thinking about the nostalgic like 90s, I guess. The 90s is where the two of us really have a lot of our origins, and I think that's the best place to start. I feel like the Super Nintendo and the N64 especially, and I think that's where like most of my nostalgia comes in for for uh, multiplayer games is where like we can really start. If you had to pick one game from your childhood in that time frame, what is the game that you felt was A, most important to you, and B, was like you think a big deal back then? Yeah, for me, the first the first game that was really a multiplayer game or that the multiplayer mattered and, and was the, the thing that, that drew me in was Super Smash Brothers. Classic. On the Nintendo 64, the original Super Smash Brothers. I know, absolute classic. Everyone is all into Melee. I get it. I was an OG Smash player, uh, for sure. I didn't I didn't really play a ton of a ton of Melee. And yeah. I, I, I get Well, here's the question. Did you have a PS2 or did you have a GameCube? I had a PS2. That's why. <laughs> But but Super Smash Brothers on the Nintendo 64. This was I, I I have so many fond memories with this game. Going over to a friend's house, unwrapping your uh, your controller. I guess you always had the cord yeah, like, wrapped around yeah. it, plugging it in. Every, yeah. Everyone's huddled around the TV. I gotta ask, did you do it all on one side, or did you do the cross, the make oh, the X on the yeah. N- on the N64 oh, controller? Yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I did. I did it all on one side. Yeah, that's what yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah, although I had friends who did the cross. Yeah, but but 
you were one or the other, and there was no convincing you the other one was nope. right. <laughs> it, it was it was like it was like a blood feud yeah, between yeah. The, two, between <laughs> the two groups. Yeah, yeah. I played that game a decent bit, and it was just it was it was the game where you'd you'd go over to a friend's house mm-hmm. and you all huddle around the Nintendo 64 and everyone could play together. And the couch days. Yeah. I miss the couch days. The couch days were... It they, doesn't exist anymore. No, I know no. it doesn't. Games don't even have split screen anymore. No, no. And we'll talk about that later on. But like, yeah, like there was something about whose house... Was it your house that people went to? Did you go to a buddy's house? Because everybody had like the one friend that had it and like they come to your house to play. Yeah. Uh, I feel like in the Nintendo 64 days, it was m- my friends' houses yeah. that we go to. Once we hit the the Halo 2 days, then 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 it was my house. That was the place. Oh, to okay. Be. But yeah, but yeah. yeah. But before it'd be, I'd go over to a friend's house and and and, and we play. And uh, um, yeah. it was back then there weren't as many characters. There was like I don't know ten characters yeah. that you could play, right? Yeah. And almost all of them were unlocked. The only one of the few that wasn't was Ness. And that was my guy. Yeah, I loved. I love Ness. I love being able to smack you with a baseball bat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, Ness! <laughs> I know. And then his whole like the only way he could jump back onto the platform was by hitting himself with his own attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. That seems like I. I don't know why, but at the time, like I felt like, oh, like I. I know how to do that, so I'm better than you at this game. Right. Because because I can do this. And right. Can and yeah, it was it was it was such a fun time was a, it was a game where the multiplayer is is what mattered you didn't really play by yourself a ton maybe no a little i mean bit, but... it wasn't like there was really a campaign in super smash brothers you know you had like the arcade version where you'd play like up until master hand was that his yeah, that his yeah, yeah master yeah. hand but uh like you know honestly played a lot more super smash brothers melee by myself than i did the original super smash brothers but it was one of those things, right? I had my buddies, but I played a lot with my brother. That game, yeah, it was just me and my sense. brother, and we just kind of who who was better, <laughs> you know? <laughs> who was your character? Ah, uh, who the original Super Smash? So as we got farther along, Doctor Mario became my character. The original Super Smash, it was probably a lot of Link. Link. There's a lot of Link. Link. Yeah, he's uh, popular. Yeah, well, you know, it was I was a big Zelda kid, and yeah. I was like, oh, man. Well, you know, I get to play as Link. And the, you know who else? Funny and... Oh, no, that was Melee. Peach came in in Melee. I played a lot of Peach in Melee. But yeah, I think Link. Link was the one. And Luigi. Those were the two. Yeah. Oh, man. It was a good game. It was cool. Super Smash was cool because... The way you unlock characters was you just kind of played... Yeah, and it was so cool. And this happened a bunch of times. Like you'd play, and then all of a sudden you'd be playing either with my brother, or my friends were over, or whatever. And then all of a sudden it'd be like new, a new character approaching, yeah, and you'd play, and it was whoever won the match was the one that had to face the character. So it was like, yo, you better not lose because I want to unlock this character. And then obviously at one point, you know, we were like 10, 12, 13 years old. Somebody lost. And then the character didn't get locked. You suck. (laughs) But man, yeah, Super Smash. uh, Nothing like Super Smash. It's it's great. It's it's funny that you, you know, you talk about that. Uh, You say, oh yeah, you just played. And I I remember that. But I do think that if, if that game came out today, there would be instantly within a day of it coming out a write up online about how to unlock every character. Right. And you'd have the instantly like, oh yeah, you gotta do a double backflip as this character on uh, on Final Destination, and you gotta finish Master Hand with a with a with a smash attack, and then you get to unlock this, and everyone would know 
precisely what you needed to do. Yeah, and and it wouldn't be as it wouldn't be as fun. And that's what well, I, that that happened as we got further along. Melee, and I think I think the one for the Wii. I for, I think it was just Super Smash Brothers for the Wii. I can't remember those two. There was the subset of single player things that you could do to unlock a character, or it was just play the game forever. And I remember reading in like Nintendo Power or just online, this is how you unlock these characters. And I was like, oh man, some of this is actually really hard. So I just wait and play like the get to like the fifty hour mark of playing, and then <laughs> then I'd unlock Mewtwo. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was a time where you had to figure it out on your own. Like there wasn't a lot of there was. I mean, in the early 90s, there wasn't the internet. <laughs> you just kind of had to figure it out on your own. And that was that was cool. Yeah, ah, man. Great choice. Super Smash. So so, so how, how about for you? What was, the, what was your first experience with a multiplayer game? So I feel like I, too, was an N64 kid. The real, like, I definitely played Super Smash. But like I said, I played that a lot with my brothers. The first ones that I remember playing a lot with my, my friends was... Mario Kart for this N64 and and Mario Party. I Mario played Party. the crap yeah. out of Mario Party 2. Mario Party 1, not so much. But when Mario Party 2 came around, I was, you know, just getting into, I don't know, like middle school probably. And I, I played the crap out of Mario Party 2 and 3 with my friends. And I feel like Mario Party hit its peak in 1990, in like 2001. <laughs> unfortunately yeah. but oh man mario party 2 there was something about it and i know this this sounds so lame now but i was a kid i freaking loved mario party of and, and it was the bet it was the best and worst feeling when you got like to the boo and he'd steal a star from your friend and like that was why you won and uh and the mini games were just so much fun yeah mario i'd say mario party 2 mario party 2 was the game that was just it was just so fun it, you know, it was cool. And you know what the other thing was cool about it? It had like a roster that wasn't just like Mario and Luigi. It was Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy, uh, Wario, Waluigi, Bowser, Donkey Kong. It was like one of those things where you could play like all these different characters. Not that they had different abilities, but you got to play as like any of those characters. And that was for 10, 12 year old Nick. That was pretty cool. <laughs> the, the first time that skins appeared in a game. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, yeah, I think that was, like, the real one for me. But it was, it was just kind of a time. So, at, at first, we were all huddled around TVs, you know, split screen, or, you know, in the case of Smash, you're all just looking at one screen. Uh, but it, it, multiplayer was all, you know, one console. Uh, it, was, it was just, just contained one console, one TV. Mm -hmm. I feel like in the early 2000s is when you, you started, you had the internet start creeping into multiplayer. Mm -hmm. it, it took it a little while. It took it until later to get to get big. But there was this there was this really interesting period of time right at the beginning before matchmaking was really a thing. But when online multiplayer existed I, I think it was just this really fascinating time in gaming where it was really all about these little communities that would pop up mm -hmm. around certain games yeah this was the very beginnings of online multiplayer it's very different than what you experience 
today. Part some of it good, some of it bad, but it was just unique. Yeah. No, for sure. I think when you when you talk about that, right? Like all of a sudden people were taking what the devs gave them and made them into something different and then went online and said, hey, I did this and then got people to come in and do that with them, right? You were no longer needing to be stuck to the couch. We're really talking about console versus PC really coming in at that point for multiplayer as well. Xbox Live definitely made that possible for the console community, right? So Halo 2 was on the console and then people would talk online and then would go into things on Xbox Live. But before even Xbox Live existed, it was one of those things where the PC had all of these different online experiences happening in the early 2000s. You had WoW, Counter-Strike, Warcraft 3 coming into the online world where the consoles were, I felt like, a little behind until Microsoft really released Xbox Live because the GameCube really didn't have that. You weren't playing online with anybody on the GameCube. And I mean, sure, you still really don't have that with Nintendo (laughs) even today in 2022. But PlayStation really didn't have online play. It wasn't until the PS3. So the Xbox definitely like charged forward with Xbox Live and made that possible with the starting of Halo 2. But I think you really see that's where the PC allowed these things to start happening because you had StarCraft, WoW, all of those places had the boards and the communities, like you were saying, they go online, talk about these things, and then do it in-game. Yeah, you talk about Warcraft 3. Totally, I'm right there with you. Super interesting. Did you know that Dota started as a Warcraft 3 mod? I did not, until you told me and we were talking about this episode. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Crazy, I know. And people think now Dota is just like they make, they have million-dollar tournaments owned by Valve. But when Dota first started, it was a mod someone created for Warcraft 3 called Defender of the Ancients. So again, we talk about these small little communities. You would have to go into your your little game browser and you'd have to go find someone who was hosting a Defender of the Ancients lobby and you'd hop in and you'd play. And it blew up and exploded and it gave rise to obviously an entire genre of games. But this started as this small little community. And I think that this early internet time before online multiplayer really took hold. Uh, it was just really fascinating to see how communities were able to, to grow and, and create whole new experiences. For yeah. People. It was like, it was a test run for big companies. Like they were waiting to see if it would work. And then once they realized, Oh, some of these things do work, then they're like, okay, now we'll do it. <laughs> you know? I would, I would love to believe that this was all big, long plan and companies were running a pilot. I think in truth, whoever created Dota is out billions of dollars of potential revenue because Riot Games and Valve were like, ah, this is cool. Nobody has this copyrighted. I'm doing this. Right. Well, that's fair. And here we are now. That poor one kid. (laughs) It's like selling Bitcoin for like three pizzas. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But but this period of time didn't last too long. I mean, it, it wasn't wasn't very, very long where we were in this sort of early internet time. We pretty quickly got into really just the rise of multiplayer games to prominence where multiplayer games and online multiplayer games in particular were the thing that you you had to have and were the experience that everyone was looking for. Yeah. And we, we definitely talked about this last week, but I think it's important to, you know, this is in, in my mind and your mind think is, is relevant that time 
when Xbox Live came out, internet was really coming into what we know more today. Less of dial-up, less of having to use the phone line to get onto the internet. People were using DSL to actually be on the internet without having to have your parents not be able to make a phone call. <laughs> that Once that switch happened, you really were able to make what we know as multiplayer games today and it changed it changed it there's like three points in time where i think that like multiplayer games changed and this time in like 06 07 08 that time was really like one of the most crucial points for multiplayer games yeah that 07 we talk about right that's the year that halo 3 came out in the fall call of duty 4 modern warfare mm-hmm. came out in the fall and call of duty in particular i feel like with modern warfare this is what really brought multiplayer to to prominence halo 3 as well but call of duty was on everything and so this is the game that all of a sudden everyone was playing modern warfare and everyone was interested in the multiplayer part of modern warfare people played the campaign i think at this point the campaign still mattered Mm -hmm. right yeah Um, up to this point the campaign had been been the main thing that mattered with Call of Duty 4, it was kind of the inflection point where the campaign still mattered, but everyone cared about the multiplayer. After that, I think it was the, the campaign didn't matter anymore. Yeah. After Modern Warfare, it was all about the multiplayer. Yeah. Every year. And yeah. that's all that's all that mattered. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean that I don't remember anything that happened in the Modern Warfare 2 campaign. I definitely played it, but I was playing online. Yeah. I, I, I and now going back to like the new Modern Warfare that are coming out. I'm not going to play the campaign. No, I don't care not. about that. I'm going to go online and, and play multiplayer. And I think this was a time where, like you said, inflection, both both pieces were important. But this is where companies started to just put out multiplayer games. Agreed. Like, there was no campaign or solo player part that was part of it. It was just multiplayer. Like, think of uh, Team Fortress 2. You exactly. know? Like, 2007. Right. Right. There was no single player experience in Team Fortress 2. You went on and you played online, right? And that was it. And you saw that more and more. And now, I mean, we can talk about now, like so many of the games that come out today, there's no single player portion of it. I think companies back in that time felt like they needed to have both to pull in both groups. But now there's there's no need. There's people... Once the multiplayer was figured out and they saw the gaming space explode, this allowed companies to be like, okay, we can just release multiplayer games. We talked a little bit about shooters in 07. Can't forget League of Legends. Mm -hmm. That was 2009, right? Has has never had a single player. Never had any intention of having a single player. And that's just a very different experience than we would have had in the early 2000s, right? You just, you, you couldn't, do that as as a game developer you had to have single player and right this this period of time transitioned to where you you know you, you did you just didn't need it anymore and in fact if you didn't have multiplayer then your game was potentially in trouble yeah i remember that I, there was there was a lot of times where i think you know listening back onto people talking about it people were saying like you know where is the multiple? How are we just getting a game? How are we paying $60 for a game that doesn't have something that will last after the campaign? Yeah. You know, and it was a complete flip, complete flip from what people were really expecting. I was still under the sense of, 
I'm paying for a multiplayer, but I don't get a good story with it. <laughs> but it's true. The explosion of the internet in those games are what really pushed it. Yeah. Yeah. You know the game that comes to mind to me, the the, the biggest one that didn't have a, a single player and didn't need one, um, it's really Overwatch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man, we played Overwatch. Oh, so we, play, much. we play a lot of Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, we played. We play, we're going to continue to play a lot. Yeah, Overwatch and, Two is coming and out like a week, yeah. <laughs> a few days. It's coming out. It's Overwatch. I mean, freely for me and you, we had just started becoming friends. Like right around the time Overwatch came out, and I remember. I think we went to uh, Pax East mm-hmm. that year when it came out. And we were like, oh, you know what we should do? We should play the beta for this. I had no idea what it was, but you had like said, hey, this is a new game Blizzard's coming out with, and it looks really cool. I was like, oh, yeah, let's let's play the beta. And man, we played the crap out of Overwatch. That $50 that I paid, I was the reason why Overwatch needed to move to free to play <laughs> this time around. We got our money's worth for sure. Yeah, gosh, that's right. I forgot that we played the beta but we did i remember like i played hanzo and widowmaker in the beta and and then never played (laughs) never again (laughs) never no and i I remember feeling like i was so good i was like wow i'm i'm so good at sniping in this game right like nope yeah blizzard has definitely had its bottoming out i think over the last year two years three years or so but man in 2016 they couldn't do wrong still it was like a stretch of like 10 15 years where blizzard couldn't do wrong and overwatch was just it was a combination of like the MOBA games and FPSs combined. And it was just such a cool multiplayer experience that really resonated with so many people because they did it in a such a blizzard type way where they made you feel for the characters that you were playing, but every character felt different. Outside of the toxicity of players inside of playing Overwatch, if you took that away from Overwatch, it's such a phenomenal multiplayer experience. It really is. Yeah, and you're right that that was one of the first like class-based or or I guess character-based FPSs, and that's why Overwatch was hyped up so much mm-hmm. because it was combining this genre that everyone already loved, FPS, Call of Duty, Halo, but everyone had had done that by that point mm-hmm. with the MOBA genre. This oh, I have this character and they have these moves and this is their story, which mm-hmm. for some people is is really important. Yeah, and yeah, it really delivered on everything that. It promised. We played hours and hours of it on at first the Xbox and then eventually the PC. Yeah, that was our switch. That was when we became PC people. (laughs) I guess they got. I guess. I guess Blizzard did get Overwatch out of me twice because I couldn't buy it. I couldn't just move my stuff over to Battle.net from Xbox, which kind of sucked. Technically three times, because I bought the Watchpoint pack from yeah, Overwatch 2. Yeah, I did too. A copy of Overwatch. Yeah, but now we get the Battle Pass, so it's fine. Yeah. But, oh man, I, I it was it was such a reinvigoration to the multiplayer space, and people copied it. Like, how many times did we see, like, Paladins was one that came mm-hmm. out that was supposed to be, like, Overwatch. And even as we move into the next section, like, Apex is pretty much that, in essence. Everybody yeah. has different abilities. Uh, and Valorant, Valorant's like that, too. Yeah, Overwatch. What a great game. But o- Overwatch, it's really interesting. Overwatch released at such an interesting time in this sort of, in this in the gaming industry, yeah. in the life cycle. Because y- you had... Um, you had it come out at a time when multiplayer is what mattered. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out in, in, in 2016. Mm-hmm. So full multiplayer was what mattered and it released as an only multiplayer game. Um, but it released as 
a game where you had to pay money for the full game, the full the full box, and there were loot boxes that you could you could buy inside of it, right? Mm-hmm. That was the monetization model. And that's what the companies were doing back then at this time in 2016. That's that's the way that you created a, a multiplayer game. Yeah. Just, and there was a bunch of lawsuits that went with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they were they banned, banned in several countries, right? Yeah, because yeah, cause, I mean, loot boxes are—they were definitely gambling. Yeah, um, but it's it's really fascinating to me. You know, they Overwatch released in sixteen, and then just one year later, multiplayer had another inflection point right it changed it again was entirely. it was and i think the problem with those games 14 15 16 that time period overwatch different games like that what they what companies were becoming to realize is they were selling their multiplayer games at 60 bucks but then people were playing them for way longer than that if you sell a single player game for 60 bucks there's no server upkeep that's needed for those single player games for the most part, right? You like you need to be able to play them, to connect to the internet to play them or whatever, but in general, right? It was you play that game, you, you and that's it. There might be DLC and stuff like that for stories, but other than that, it's a beginning and an ending for a game, right? You make it, you release it, people play the solo player experience and then that's it. With these games, it was like Call of Duty, Overwatch, all these games. It was like, okay, we we paid sixty dollars for this. Okay, we got we got sixty dollars from you once. You're still playing this game for free in essence at, over the course of four or five years, but we're still paying for server upkeep. We're still paying to make the servers not crash. You know, all the infrastructure that comes around these servers, which cost money game balance Get, yeah making it patching the patching the game to make sure something isn't broken things like that right so that all this money is still going into these games and they're not getting money back yeah so all uh, there was like you said there was an inflection point that came right after overwatch in 2017 it changed everything crowning achievement at, at one point and yeah. it's, it's really it's really too bad uh, when it came out in time because yeah. they clearly lost the um the ability to to monetize it yeah and to your point we were talking about how there's all these um, server costs that are needed you know development that is needed new characters new characters balancing all these things that are expected of games these days that you just you can't do when your model is buy it once and then maybe maybe you'll buy loot boxes right that's that's it exactly and with the overwatch community i think like and we're sticking with Overwatch a lot because I think it's so important because I think people learned from it. They had to keep coming out with new characters and keep the fan base engaged. But at the same time, the second a new hero didn't come out three months later, the fan base was like, well, where's the new hero coming out? I paid for this game. Where's my free content? And so it really is, and we'll see it in Overwatch 2, this is why they had to change it uh, from, a, from an economical standpoint, from a business standpoint. It, it really is a case study on why things changed and sad it came out with the time it did this is the reason overwatch 2 is coming out mm-hmm. and it, i believe like yeah. to me like this is the reason why it exists like okay sure they're changing to 5v5 but they could have done that and rebalanced that within the scope of overwatch 1 mm-hmm. for sure the entire reason is because they needed a new way to monetize it and it's it's causing some people to be not so happy i know and i tend to fall on the side that I am willing to pay for the experience that you're going to give me mm-hmm. these days. So I just feel like if I'm going to play your game as much as I play Overwatch, if I'm going to play your game for 
hours every week and play it for months and months and months and years, years and years and years, I should be paying for that. I, I'm okay paying for that. So it's going to be an adjustment for people because Overwatch fans are used to like, oh, here's the seasonal event and play a couple games and win some skins and or use all your coins, which you have a bunch of, and you can buy your skins. And instead, like now you're going to have to you're, you're not not pay for them necessarily, but it's it's going to be a little bit of a, of a different model. But it's it's no different than any of the other games that are out today. It's no. the same as all the others. And there is one game that did all of that and changed everything. Tell me. Fortnite. Fortnite. Tell me about Fortnite. It was that just so it wasn't the first, like if we really look back on it and there was a whole lawsuit about it, it wasn't the first BR. No, PUBG it was. PUBG. Yep. Well, and there were, you know, there was other ones. There was that zombie one. I were can't there? remember. There was one that made Ninja re- start to become really big. Daisy. Daisy or yeah. something like that, right? Like that. Those, those were, the, those were definitely like, and and BRs kind of have always kind of existed, I guess, in a in a way. Not not always not, existed. Uh, not in this way, though. Not, right? Th- this was new. This was a, a pinnacle point in two ways. Number one. Free to play, Freedom. and number two, changing multiplayer into the BR world that we're in today. And in a lot of ways, like if we're going to get a little outside of the game gaming realm, but still inside of the gaming realm, this is BRs are what makes made so many streamers big. Like if sure. we're really going to talk about it, like the reason the Fortnite is Fortnite, Warzone, Apex, like those type of games are what draw people to watch the because they're games. facing other people in a in a in a battle royale like no other way to say it like people can watch like halo as much as they want but it's not i don't know it's not as much fun to watch as watching people like get that victory royale at the end as you said but pubg came out first but pubg did the same thing that overwatch did it was pay. You had to pay to play pay pubg you paid 40 yeah. 50 60 bucks or whatever it was i didn't know that I just looked it up. <laughs> I never actually played PUBG. I, funny enough, my friend had PUBG Mobile on his phone. I played it once, got a win, and then never played it again. Uh, 100%, <laughs> baby. Best win rate ever. Yeah. PUBG, once you paid, that was it. But it, it, I don't. I never played like I. I never played PUBG, so I don't know if it. It, it definitely, probably, eventually. I think it did go free to play, and then it had the store and all the way that we know BRs are today. But Epic Games and Fortnite were the first ones to do that. It, and it it changed everything. And it didn't take them like that long to copy the game. Like I remember PUBG came out and it felt like it was pretty quick after that there was another one, like a competing one Fortnite. Yeah. Which got way bigger and you're right, it was it was free to play. And and the funniest thing was Fortnite didn't start out as a battle royale. It started out as a zombie survival game. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, save the world mode. I think it might still be in there. If you open up Fortnite, you might still be able to play Save the World mode. I don't know now. I haven't played in a little bit. But yeah, yeah, it was it was a beta, and it's still Fortnite's still in beta. Isn't that hysterical? Okay. It's never gonna like leave beta because it allows them to continue to change it. And I think the th- I'm gonna break it down into three things that really f- made Fortnite the reason why things changed. Number one was that it was free to play. Number two was it had a battle pass. And number three, it was always changing. The mm-hmm. world in it was always changing. So I guess we can take these one thing at a time. But free-to-play is obvious. It makes the ability to play the game so much easier. Just like having Game Pass, 
if it's free, you download it, you play it. If you don't like it, you don't play it again. But there's no barrier to entry to get in. Blizzard went to a free-to-play system. Warzone, you pay for Modern Warfare or Vanguard or Cold War or whatever. You don't have to pay to play Warzone. Warzone's free, yeah. Because that's, that's the only reason I've played it. Right, right. And same thing, Apex is free. All of the BRs are free because going into the second thing, the Battle Pass. Epic realized it makes its money not from people buying the game once, but giving people a reason to buy skins in the game. Making their characters so unique and be like, I have that skin. You don't see that skin running around a lot because I paid $15 to get that skin. And all of a sudden, you get the battle pass, that's $10. But then, you know, Aquaman comes into the game. It's like, oh, I gotta pay $20. So now... And then, and then Batman comes into yeah. the game, and then Master Chief comes into the game. And it, it, it's interesting. Like I feel like the Battle Pass solved the problem of microtransactions equal bad. Yes, right. That it changed it. It changed it because that was that was the thing was that any any kind of microtransactions in a game, people were, no, I don't want this. This is terrible. And, and people still feel that way about like any any kind of like pay to win, right? But mm-hmm. it used to even be that way for cosmetics, to be honest. Yeah. Right. And and I think the Battle Pass was this way of it being. Oh, well, I'm not paying for just one thing. I'm paying for a bunch of things that I can unlock through playing the game. Right. So cool. I'm paying only $10. Not like this is a ton. And like, I'm I'm just going to buy the, the Battle Pass. And, and that's it. Right. And and I, I would guess there are a lot of people that the Battle Pass is one of the first things that they ever have, have bought. Like, period. Yeah. In terms, of, in terms of, of a microtransaction. And it almost like gets you used to this idea that ah I can buy this thing in the in-game store and it's not that weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. It 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 it, it was exactly what the industry wanted out of microtransactions. And I think two two things to that. Number 1, if you bought it once and you put in the hours, you were able you got enough in-game currency to get the next one for free. So as long as you played the game, which is what they wanted you to do, mm-hmm. because the longer you play the game and other things come into the store, you'll buy those things, you'll always have the battle pass for free. And but number two, it allowed the game to continue to make money but not be pay to win. Yeah. The battle pass was completely cosmetic. Mm-hmm. Everything in these games is completely cosmetic. If you didn't care about what you look like or anything like that in game, you could play the game completely for free when it comes to Fortnite and you would have no disadvantage to anybody else. But then you can't look like Goku. Well, that's true. That's true. I did <laughs> so, buy the so Vegeta skin fine. when it came out. So that's not, that doesn't work for me. <laughs> right. Right. And that's why they got you. But 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 I think, and you're going back to to microtransactions and play to win and all that, pay to win and all that stuff. That's where people were worried about it. And so by you spending money to look different, but the game still stayed in a state where anybody can win without paying to win. When we talk about mobile games, like definitely play to win, pay to win is still a thing. But in when it comes to when it comes to console and, and PC gaming, that's what I think allowed people to be okay with my, the microtransactions, the battle pass in the store, because it didn't affect them to win. Yeah, the, these battle passes 
you know, created this new breed of game. And you mentioned that the third point that you're bringing up is that the world was constantly evolving, mm-hmm. constantly changing. Fortnite definitely was one of the first games that did that, where it was like, whoa, the island's going to change? It was This is weird. Wild. When the first island finally was got rid of and it went into the second chapter of yeah. Fortnite, they did this thing. I don't know how much of Fortnite you ever actually played. Not a lot. But there was a point at the end of the first chapter of Fortnite the whole world got sucked into a black hole and the game wasn't online for 48 hours. Wow, just down? Me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whenever you turn it on, it was just that picture of that black hole. And it was insane. Me, uh, like six of my friends, we're all in a party for the final event of the last season of chapter one of Fortnite. And we sat there and we watched the whole thing happen and everything got sucked into a black hole. And we're like, oh, it'll be five minutes. And then we left the game on. And we were just hanging out for an hour, just talking, while the black hole was just sitting on the screen. It became like 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. We were afraid that if we turned the game off, we wouldn't be able to get back in. Because there was millions of people on the servers at that point. So we were like, wait a second. Is this going to just happen? Eight hours went by. Nothing changed. Ten hours went by. Nothing changed. And slowly, one by one, we were like, well, I'm just going to turn my game off. When it comes back, it comes back. Turn the game on the next day, still the same thing. And then finally, Fortnite on its Twitter was like, game will be back this time. You never saw anything like that in a, where just a game turned off in, in a way that like it was building up to this over the like first 10 seasons of Fortnite, you know, and they're all like two months long. And all of a sudden it led to this point where like everybody was like, do I stay on? The only reason it was able to do that was because it was able to make all that money from the stuff we talked about before. Yeah, these new live service games, which were really get given birth by this, this ability to, to change the world, it's, it's become the new thing, right? Like around this time, this is when you have things like Destiny 2 mm-hmm. coming out, which is like maybe one of the, the biggest live service games there is, right? Like everyone is trying to create these, these games where they really incent you and they want you to be playing it all the time and they mm-hmm. want this to be the game that you play right and they will constantly update the game there'll be constant changes to the world everyone will experience them there will be seasons where certain things are happening and mm-hmm. you can collect certain certain items and if you aren't playing during that season then the item's gone and maybe maybe you have to buy it in the store or it goes into you know a randomized loot box or something right but um, i think that this was a fundamentally new way of looking at multiplayer games or even before in the old call of duties it was call of duty 4 call of duty you know call of duty modern warfare call of duty modern warfare 2 and every year there was the next one and this was this time we started starting with fortnite uh, where it was this is this this is just the game and you just you just keep playing this game and you can play this game as long as you want and we're going to continue to update it and support it uh, and support it as long as you're continuing to buy the battle passes and, right. and buy the cosmetic right. items within right. the game. There's no Fortnite 2 and like Apex. They they continue to go out with these seasons, but Apex isn't like becoming Apex 2. You know? And it's it's fascinating a lot of way, but a lot makes a lot of business sense. Like from the perspective of a business. And for gamers, like people can get mad about that, but I mean, would you rather a game be able to provide new content continuously in turn, they have to make their money somehow because they still are a business and they're still running these services. Or would you rather them just give you something stale, you play it for a few months and that's it? Literally, if I look over Warzone and Fortnite over the last like four years of my life, Warzone came out in 
I mean, Fortnite came out in 17. I've gotten five years worth of a game that I might have put in, like, personally, like, $20, $30 into. Because they have been able to monetize it in a way. And the world keeps changing and all these other things. Like, they're making changes continuously to it. I think it's a better experience in some ways. Like, if you're into that type of game, you know, if you're into a multiplayer world where you're facing other people in a different way. I think the ever-changing aspect of it is something that's cool. There was something cool about every season going into Fortnite and being like, ah, there's an event this season, and we're all going to hop in and see the event together and witness this event together. But also, there's a new POI. Oh, there's something new here. There's always something new. And for all of our ADH brains today, where we, we're so used to things changing with our phones and, and social media and all this stuff, where it works for me at least. And going to Overwatch 2, right? That's that's why we see Overwatch dying and Overwatch 2 coming in. And you look at like the battle pass and you look at like how they're monetizing it. People can get mad because they were used to it being free. It is what it is, I, I guess. I, I, I'm with you. I have really high expectations for Overwatch 2, to be honest. I mean, the core game is awesome, right? right? The, the core game is is awesome. I think that they are doing a good thing by taking a tank away. I do. I, I really do. The the beta was a, a ton of fun mm -hmm. to play, for sure. Sometimes the maps felt a little bit empty, but uh, I think that more damage, right? More people dying, less like just big meat shield absorbing bullets is like probably a good thing for for the game. I think meat more, shields and shields. Uh, yeah, shields. <laughs> I think I think more people are gonna gonna enjoy that. And now there is a model where they're they're they've they've released and said they're going to be releasing you know new heroes. Pretty frequently. Yeah, every other season. Every other season. New yeah. maps pretty frequently, right? It's it's going to be supported in a way that the first one was not. And I I I feel that there's gonna be this pretty big renaissance of Overwatch. Maybe not to the to the glory days, or maybe not to the peak shooter of today, right? But I do think that it's gonna become a much bigger part of the conversation. Right. And it's because anybody can download it and just pay it. There's no paywall in front of you to at least try it. Like I have friends that play Warzone. I'm like, hey, Overwatch 2 is coming out like next week. You guys gonna download it? I'm like, it's free. Why not? <laughs> Might as well. <laughs> you know? So I'm super excited for it. People can say like you gotta grind out the hours to get the characters or whatever. That's just that's just the way of the world right now. And I'm not saying it's great in the sense of like you have to play like 50 hours to unlock a hero. But also, if you like the game enough, you're going to play those 50 hours quickly. And if you don't like the game, you're not going to care enough. It, it, it's going to take Blizzard a hot sec to to figure this out, to figure out the right like uh, the right way to do this. And, and I think what's going to happen is that Season 1, Season 2, Season 3, um, maybe... Wow, this battle pass is way too hard to complete. Wow, it feels really bad that this hero is, you know, all the way down at level fifty. It would have been much better if this hero was at level ten. Yeah, uh, I, I, I think Blizzard is going to be open to this kind of feedback. I really do. I think it needs this game to be mm -hmm. a a game for the long haul, and and it's going to be. And so, people are are going to be vocal about how they feel, and I think there's going to be an equilibrium met where the the players are happy and Blizzard is happy. And, and we're going to find what that is. And maybe it's there right at the very beginning. Maybe it's not. But I'm not mad overall that we're switching to, to this new kind of model. I'm actually right. kind of excited for it. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of like the people that have succeeded in this and making it work out, you know what game didn't do that? Halo. Yeah. Halo Infinite. Failed. 
you know the saddest part about it? It was a lot of fun. It, Those first few months that we were playing it, it felt like Halo. It did. And it's still a fun game. It's still yeah. If you want to play it, it's still fun. And I think the introduction of Forge will help Halo and maybe we'll be able to get back into it. But like you only had like five or six maps. You only had like three or four game modes. And for a game that's called Infinite, because it's gonna continuously forever change, we're a year in. Over a year in now, I think. And pretty close, yeah. Yeah, a year in, and like there's barely been any changes to it. And that's so sad. They they have not delivered on the promise. Yeah, they they really they really messed up. They had an opportunity. I mean, they really, really did. They had the spotlight on them. Mm-hmm. They had hype. They came had out with the Series X. It, it came out. Yeah, exactly. It was it was on on the Series X, and it was good. Yeah. It was the gameplay was good, but they just they yeah they could not figure out how to support it. And even if they do start to figure it out, it just feels like that the, the time's gone. Yeah, the, the time's gone. People it would be have very hard to draw everybody back. It yeah. And you know I hate to say it. But if they just came out with a, B- a Halo BR, I'm still waiting for it. If 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 they just dropped a Halo BR with Infinite, like it was Call of Duty Modern Warfare comes out and Modern War and Warzone comes out at the same time, if they just did that, I bet it would be just as popular. No doubt in my mind. Three, four, three. You heard it here first. Yeah. Get on Get it. On it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just so obvious. So as we look forward then and think about what gaming will be and and uh, you know for us in the future, but also you know for our kids, like I, I do kind of think and wonder, like have have we gotten to a point with online multiplayer where we've we've hit a peak? It feels like it, doesn't it? It does a little bit, right? It does. Nothing's really changed. Like the type of like multiplayer, I guess, has changed. You know, from matchmaking to BR, but the online experience hasn't changed or the multiplayer hasn't changed a ton in the last five to seven years. It's kind of like you go online, you're there, you play some games and that's it. Nothing's really changed. I feel like people have figured out this live service model and it's just figuring out how to refine the like gamification of it. How can I get this? How can I get you to be playing this game and only this game, you know, more and more and more and more and more. I think about the fact that at one point in time we talked about earlier, there was this there was this period of time where you were sitting in front of your your console, sitting in front of your TV, uh, with your friends, all with a controller hooked up to a console via you know wires, and that was like a very particular feeling. Do you miss a very it? Very particular vibe. I do. Me and my friends were over the my buddy's house watching the Patriots game last last week, and we we're like, oh. Let's say let's play some Call of Duty, like Modern Warfare, because the new one hadn't come out yet. Uh, it's still not out. Like Modern Warfare in 2019 on the TV. We'll do split screen. And we tried to tell and we and it didn't work. There was no split screen. And I yeah. was like, so I have to be sitting by myself at my house to do it. Yeah. It's kind of sad. Yeah, they, they, they don't even do split screen anymore. No. I, I, I do I do miss it. And and I feel like today's version of that is like sitting on Discord in a call. Jumping into a game, mm-hmm. chatting with people, you know, p- playing playing your online game, just having fun. And I worry a little a little bit that like 
that feeling and that vibe is also going to go away at some point. And it's going to, there's going to be, you know, something new that, yeah. that comes and that is created. I mean, that's the only thing that I can think of right now when we're talking about the change in multiplayer. It's how people experience the multiplayer game versus what the multiplayer game is actually doing more now. With the consoles that we have, with the way that PCs are set up, there doesn't seem like a lot more advancement in how we play. It's going to be what people do on how, with how we play. Like you said, couch to, to Discord. You know, what's what's the next step? We think about that. Like, is the next step mobile? or I think it, it is. Yeah, right? I think, I, it I think it's either that or, or VR. Okay. One of the two, right? Because you either you're on the go playing instead of like in front of a TV or a, or a monitor. So you're always playing multiplayer things online on your phone or you're playing in a VR world. Now, I don't know if the VR place is there yet, but let's stick with mobile for a second. Well, why do you think mobile is, is, is the next wave? I, I think that the market is just too big for these organizations to ignore. Uh, I, I mean, there will there will always be the honestly small market of hardcore gamers who wants to play on PC, wants to play a console. The mobile market is gigantic, mm -hmm. and it's growing. I was I was I was actually just reading a report uh, off of, off of Business Wire, so there was some market research done. Mm -hmm. um, Sixty one percent of the gaming revenue revenue comes from mobile gaming. 61 percent god and i thought epic had it all figured out <laughs> <laughs> well you're right and well honestly i mean fortnite mobile right oh, this probably true. counts it right that's true yeah right? but, but you think about like the consoles people all the pc components and now i mean granted i, I i'm not totally sure on how everything is, is is calculated in this but but either way right it's it's a it's now the majority of gaming revenue is in mobile games and yeah. it's growing um, almost two times as fast as as, as, as the traditional market yeah. and i guess that makes sense you know there is still barriers to entry if you uh, if you need to play on a PC or a console. You're spending either $500, $600 on, on console stuff or you're spending upwards of like $2,000 on a PC. So a phone, everybody has it in their hands and they're they're strong enough now to play these games. So I guess that makes sense. Look at the, the, the demographic profiles. I think video gaming in general is getting better in terms of the equity and the diversity, right? But um, it's obviously it's it, it it could be better. And you look at mobile games, and it's much more diverse. The people who who are playing these games, um, it, did you know, first quarter twenty twenty two, tell one, me one point six billion dollars of mobile gaming revenue per week from the Google Play Store and and, and the App Store. One point six billion dollars a week. A week? A week. That's wild. And, and, and so, all, all those games are scams, too. I, 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 I agree. <laughs> I agree. But, but my worry is that if I'm the, the, the big company making the big multiplayer games, I can't ignore that. And, no. I, and I have to invest my, my resources into developing for that. And I just worry, think there's going to be a time when the next big multiplayer game is something that you can do on your phone. And the next Only big thing that everyone's talking about and everyone wants to play together is going to be on your phone. Huh. And it's going to be a different model yeah. than, than the one that we were just talking about, right? Yeah. It's going to be different. And I don't know what it is. No one else does yet either. But companies are trying to figure it out right now. Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess that, you know, that makes sense because with the, with the introduction of Warzone 2 and Modern Warfare 2, they also announced Warzone Mobile. 
And because Activision Blizzard probably was like, we have to get into this market. Have to. We have to. Fortnite already does it. I think Apex is already doing it too. It's like, we have to, we have to get into this market. That's wild. I never knew that the numbers were like that crazy. $1.6 billion a week? A week. That's wild. That's like one seventh of the population spending a dollar a week. It's, it's, it's astronomical. <laughs> well, yeah. Two, so, two sevenths. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 So, so, and, and, and growing, right. So um, I'll, I'll show you this article, but yeah, it's becoming, it is impossible for these organizations you know, to ignore. And, and it does make me think and wonder, right. Like how are, how are our kids going to interact with games? Right. Right, like, right. Are, is it is it is it all going to be mobile for them? Are 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 they going to be playing on on consoles? Are they gonna experience like Discord and these kinds of things? That's like, kind of wild. I never like it's it's just so foreign to me. I I don't like playing on my phone. Me either. Like I I guess I play Pokemon Go, but like besides that, like it doesn't. It's not the form factor. I like the. I will say that I do enjoy like the Xbox. Um, when, xCloud xCloud where X-Cloud. you can play your console games on your phone i do like that when i'm when i'm sitting in bed or you know whatever i can i can i can do that but other than that it just it just doesn't you have to make such a specific game but you're right right they're reaching out to the audience a wide breadth of audiences from the 80 year olds playing candy crush to the seven year olds playing candy crush i think that is something we can't overlook because it's it's a device in everybody's hand it really is mobile is definitely probably next five ten years if we're looking 20 if let's look further down the okay line, 20 we, we years 25 years down the road i think that vrs are going to be the way we play mobile have you have you ever used I guess they're not called Oculuses anymore. They're called Metas. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Oculus, uh, once Facebook changed its name to Meta, they rebranded the Oculus Rift into the Meta Rift or something like that. Yeah. Vomit. Yeah. Vomit everywhere. I know, I know. It's going to not sound weird to the people that never knew Oculus didn't exist, though. <laughs> I just, I just. I just hate Facebook, man. I yeah. I I want nothing to do with that company. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, sucks they own so much. <laughs> but I guess regardless of your feeling on them, they are one of these companies that are pushing the VR they are. space. You they know, are. them, Valve, and really those are the real and I guess PlayStation. PlayStation's pushing the the VR space as well. But I think in twenty years, do we see something that's like ready player one or you know we live in it's an mmo but it's all virtual you know you, we have these running machines that like are installed <laughs> into like people's houses so they actually like walk and and they're playing you know these call of duty but it's in vr call of duty vr but it's actually like good you know like the controllers have come to a point where it's like you feel like you're holding a gun or you have the attachments it's like the it's all over again the nintendo zap gun but it's like in vr (laughs) you're holding at it you know like i played i went to they have these vr like rooms i don't know if you've ever been to one but they have these like vr rooms they put a headset on your head and you're in this giant warehouse and you you pretty much walk around and you have a gun in your hand and you walk around and like, you're like diving to the floor. They look terrible, right? Like they look like they're from like 2010. Yeah. But 
it looks it's 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 really cool right and so i'm like trying to figure out when that the the technology reaches a point where you have that in your house playing online with your friends right 20 20 years that's what i give it <laughs> yeah I but mean, until then mobile <laughs> you're right we, we we could get there uh, and and maybe that's where like the hardcore gaming people like like us the people who overwatch and call of duty appeal to right now maybe that's where where we go right uh, and and other people go go into the mobile space yeah i, I i've done a, a little bit of vr um it, it's cool it hasn't like blown me away it is very niche right now still niche uh it definitely like it is a cool thing to experience but i don't think the technology has caught up with what we expect for it like i feel like when we ex when we think of vr we think of you know putting on the headset and it looking just like if i was looking at you right now you know and we're not there yet we're not the unreal engine 5 isn't running in <laughs> in in most of these vr headsets because a either you need a super powerful pc to even run it or b you're getting like the the meta Go or whatever they're called, the ones that aren't connected to computers, but the hardware limitations are so so much. But I do think eventually we will see that that shift when the technology catches up with what we expect. I think it's going to be a big shift, and companies realizing that that's something that they're going to have to do. We'll see. Do you think that's what our kids are going to be playing? Is that going to be like their their kind of game, and anything else is going to be like old and lame? Oh man. You know what? When they're in their 20s, maybe. 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 And then we'll be like, oh, I used to look at a screen. Uh, I, I, I used to stare at a 21-inch TV, <laughs> which was had a curved screen with four other people. We split it into four boxes. There was this thing called screen peeking. <laughs> well, that is one thing. I'll say that's nice. Now that you're playing like on the internet, nobody can screen peek anymore. There's other kinds of cheating, but yeah, yeah, yeah I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, feel, I, I, I feel like it's the, the, the when it comes to like people cheating or, or people doing like you know uh, unsavory things, the internet has been like a net loss from that perspective, right? Like, give me give me my friend screen peeking any day over like the all the anti cheats, the, the not the anti cheats, the hacking and the aimbots, or just horrible people. Oh yeah, or just the horrible people who you who have to play with and have to be on voice chat with sometimes. Yeah, until you very easily, you know, very quickly hit mute. Crazy. Who knows what the future will hold. So Casey, speaking of that, we grew up in a time where multiplayer didn't really become, I'll use the word toxic, mm -hmm. uh, until probably right around like we were in high school, right? Call of Duty 4, you know, Halo, stuff like that, 2007, 2008, we were in high school. And that was when it really became like toxic, toxic. You had people yelling profanities at you and like all of a sudden these like seven-year-olds were playing call of duty and saying like dropping f-bombs and and the n-word and all this other stuff at you and you're like whoa whoa so i guess one last thing i want to talk about in this episode is because you know we try to round this out for our kids and we talked about a little bit about vr and stuff like that but when we have kids in and we start to have them play games and they get older nine ten years old and all of a sudden they want to start playing the games their friends play how do you think you're going to deal with them playing gta 
them playing Call of Duty, them playing Halo, and hearing these, you know, these chats and these comms and all this other stuff and people saying profanities and stuff like that. We'll start it on a heavy note and then we'll end probably closer to a lighter note. But like, how do you feel with our kids playing those type of games? Number one, playing games that involve killing and guns. And then number two, you know, the other side of it, the people that are online playing. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're going to have to play games that they're that are age appropriate. Right, for sure. I mean, I I, I couldn't play I couldn't play Grand Theft Auto when I was no. younger until a certain age, right? Yeah. I mean that that seems that seems totally fair to me. I mean, I think it's it, it'll be monitoring what it is that they're playing for sure. The thing that I think is tricky with the online multiplayer stuff is that I mean, you're almost not going to be able to avoid online multiplayer these days. Like mm-hmm. you can't. It doesn't it feels very hard for me to just say, oh, well, you just you just can't you just can't do that because it's it's a part of everything. It's a and, and in some games it. You know, it, it is all you do. I guess how I feel about these people who are saying all these terrible things and 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 yelling at you. Like, I don't think it's a gaming problem. Mm. I think it's an internet problem. Yes, I agree with you. And so there's part of me that is, you know, wants to shelter them from that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. But there's part of me that is thinking that like these are skills that they're going to have to develop to be able to understand that this is wrong. And I'm going to have to teach them that, that this is wrong. Right. And to be able to know when someone is doing something that is not okay and to and just, know, just know right from wrong. Because you're not, I mean, you're just not going to stop the internet from being the internet. It's one, you're right, right. Monitoring in a sense of making them understand what it is. But also, number two, realizing that it doesn't mean that they're going to do those things just because they do it in games. I think that as a parent, it didn't happen to us. Why would it happen to our kids as long as we are vigilant and we take a part of their life? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's about being present. It's about teaching them. And right. It's about making sure that they understand. Right. Because, you, you know, now I think one of the things that I was thinking back of was when we were kids, right? Most of the time, if we wanted a game, we had to go to a store and buy it. Uh-huh. And our parents would drive us to that store sure. and then they would, you know, either a look at the box or something like that and see the M rating on the game and be like, oh, you're not buying that. When our kids are playing games, they're just going to be able to go in. And if especially if they have their own bank account, you know, they're going to be able to just buy a game without our permission. By the time they have their own bank account, though, that's probably fine. Right. 15, I, 16 years old, uh, yeah, it'll probably I, I, be fine. I think it's, it's about little things like, oh, don't put the credit card on the account. Don't, right. you know, all these consoles have, have parental controls now. Right. right? So I, I don't know. I've never really paid much attention to that, but I'm sure they're fine and adequate. And A, they will definitely be used. And B, you know, my kids are just going to play Nintendo games for, for, you know, for, for basically their entire childhood. Right. Exactly. Right. You're playing Mario Kart and you're going to like it. But you know what though? I do feel that when you have, you're a kid and you have a kid brain, the more fantastical nature of what Nintendo does are so much more appealing to kids. You know, I never felt the need for the nitty gritty until I was like 13, 14, 15 years old anyway. So, and I mean, still, I'm still like, oh man, I can't wait for like Breath of the Wild, uh, <laughs> Tears of Tears of the Kingdom to come out. I think it's such a important thing to like be part of what they do. It's just being there. I think that's what it comes down to parenting, like thinking about parenting. And I've talked about this with Allison. You're definitely probably thinking about it a lot more as like actually having the kid like 
being alive, but it's just making sure that you're there for them and that they can talk to you. If they see something in a video game and they ask a question, you're not afraid to just say, Hey, don't do that or, or brush it off, but actually like have a conversation with them about like what is actually happening. If some, if my kid ever comes to me and says like, my, this kid called me this word in a game and I, I didn't know how to take it. It's like, well, let's talk about it. You know, make sure you understand that like, Hey, that's not, you shouldn't do that, but make sure that they understand the situation that's going on and like making sure that they can ask questions. In the end, Casey, I think that whatever multiplayer exists for our kids, if they're living in a virtual reality where it's a lot closer to me and you talking like this in person, or if it's just over Discord still and they get a bunch of people swearing at them on comms when they get killed, I think either way, I think that it's important in a lot of ways for socialization. That's one thing that I learned when I grew up and I started playing multiplayer games. And even now when I play with my buddies, it's a way to socialize in a way that keeps you interacted with people, especially when, you know, us dealing with just COVID and just that happening. It was a way to stay in touch with a lot of people that we couldn't see for a year or a year and a half at a time. I think that regardless of what it is, I think our kids will be able to manage it and it'll just be important for us to be there and tackle it with them. Yeah. Yeah, Nick couldn't agree more. And I think that I fully admit that I don't have the answers. I I think that I'm we're we're learning, right? And one thing that I have realized in life is that most of the time people don't know what they're doing, and they're just kind of trying to get by and figure it out. And I I I always used to think that like the adults had it all figured out, and yeah. then I became an adult and I realized, oh no, oh no, 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 no one has it figured out. And I think parenting is going to be similar, where yeah. it's we can talk about this sort of stuff, but we're just going to have to wing it a little bit and we're going to have to, to see what happens and we're going to have to learn as we go yeah, and tackle it as, as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, multiplayer is wild. It is the other side of the coin of single player. And I think that it's not going anywhere. Right. And I do think that it has grown the video game audience immensely um, over the course of the last 10 years or so it's blown up the history of it our nostalgia for it and the things that have changed it have been really cool to watch in a lot of ways and i'm glad that i've gotten to see so much change over the last like 20 years in the multiplayer space with that being said i got nothing else to say any last notes that's it for me well everybody thanks for listening you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts if you're watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and click the bell and leave a comment if there's something that you would want us to talk about in the near future. Also, follow us on all of our social medias, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. We try to get an episode out every two weeks, and we look forward to talking to you guys again soon. Have a good one. Peace.